0: Our gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of John in the 11th chapter beginning in the 17th verse. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These past Five weekends in Lent, we have remembered that we are not alone in the desert. We have faced temptation with God's word. We have faced hardship with his grace, brokenness with his reconciliation, reality, as we heard last week, with the gift of faith. And today we face loss itself with hope. How can we possibly have hope in the face of loss? When it seems like, in fact, all hope has been lost. In today's reading from the Word of God, we encounter loss and hopelessness hopelessness in both the Old and the New Testament. And we also encounter how both move towards hope, even in the face of loss. But how can this be? Well, maybe you've heard me tell the story of Wellington and Napoleon's battle news of Waterloo to the people of London at a funeral. I tell that story because I first heard it preached to me at a funeral. As we were facing the loss of a young man, a member of our congregation, who had died of a car accident just so very young in his senior year in high school. And I'd known him since he was a first grader. And as this story was relayed to me, I immediately heard the connection to the promised hope that we have in the gospel. And I hope you'll hear it too. There was an aged verger. A verger is an assistant to the priest who stood on the top rooftop of the cathedral, of Win- Winchester Cathedral. And there he was receiving the messages from the harbor of the ships relaying to the people of London the long-awaited news of what had happened at the battle. And they relayed it by semaphore, by flags, signaling one letter at a time. They weren't using Zoom or FaceTime or text messaging. Well, an old style of text messaging anyway. And one letter at a time, they would get the word on what had happened. A battle that would possibly determine their very future, change their very life. And so the letters came in first spelling Wellington and then the next word came in defeated. Wellington defeated and then the fog rolled in. And as that fog rolled in Uh, On London that day, it also covered the hearts of those Londoners. For their hopes had been dashed. They knew that their very lives had been changed. Wellington had been defeated. Or so they thought. Wellington had been defeated and hope was now lost. Those of us who've lost a loved one to death know how devastating that loss is. How thick the fog feels, and it isn't just a feeling, is it? It's real. Those of us who've experienced the loss and heartache of broken relationships or those who've faced the valley of financial failure or the anticipation, some of you have had to face the anticipation of incurable diseases. Even our children know the heartache of loss. It's no small matter when the dog eats a favorite beloved teddy bear. There is loss. They know things won't be the same. Or how about losing a wedding ring and all that it means, and then having to tell a loved one that it is lost? You see, big or small loss can feel like and seem like, and sometimes it is, an abyss that we fall into. And it is part of. human reality to be sure. And in our sanitized culture, it's one of the reasons why we've been so shocked in the midst of this pandemic. Because we think that our ingenuity and, and hard work can overcome anything and being reminded of the reality of our human failing is not just hard, it is indeed shocking. But those familiar with history know that the fog that befell London as that message rolled in, was not the end of the story. It's not the end of our story. It's not the end of God's story for us. For as the sun shined and burned off that fog, the rest of the message came in. Wellington defeated was incomplete. To complete that message, it needed two more words. Wellington defeated the enemy. Wellington defeated the enemy. You see, friends, the end of the story was hope. And the end of our story, because of what Christ has done, is also hope. Loss wasn't the end of the story for the Israelites, as Ezekiel preached and prophesied in the Old Testament. Loss wasn't the end of the story for Mary and Martha, as They faced the loss of their brother Lazarus. And as we set our eyes next weekend on Holy Week, we remember loss isn't the end of the story for us. Yes, the fog today is real in whatever loss you may be facing. But we need to remember the complete story. Jesus defeated death. How can I be so confident? Let's briefly examine these two readings that I've read for you today and uncover how we indeed can face loss with hope because of what Jesus has done. That the fog will not have the last word. Defeat of death will, not ours, for all those in Christ Jesus. Let's look at the context for Ezekiel's prophecy. Most scholars think it was around 580 BC. At that time, Israel had been defeated. The two kingdoms had been split. The thought of ever being able to come back together and be reunited in be reunited in Jerusalem, no less, seemed absolutely impossible. They were dead. You need to understand something about the picture that God is painting for us in Ezekiel, and understand the burial practices of those days. There were stages in the burial, and when the bones had become dry, it was the final stage, where the arceraries would collect them to be with their family tomb. There is no hope at this point. No hope. And that's what Israel felt about being able to worship their God in the temple, about being a people, about their very way of life. It was gone. The situation was totally hopeless. And as Edmund Clowney, uh, the Old Testament theologian, put it, uh, there was no helper No hoping uh, politically, no hoping their situation physically, nothing that would bring their nation back together again. Except in Hebrew, ruach, the breath of God, the spirit of God, the wind of God. When it was prophesied, when the God's word breathed into their death, life unimaginable took place and indeed it did. History tells us that Israel was reunited. Israel was restored. And this good news could never have been imagined without the breath of God. In chapter 11, Mary and Martha encountered Jesus after the crushing blow of the death of their brother. Hope is lost. He'd been dead four days. Like those dry bones, there was no more hope. If you'd been here, Jesus, they said to him, if you'd just been here, I know you could have done something, but you know, now it's too late. But Jesus tells them those famous words in verse 25, reminding them that even in their loss, They are not alone. That Yet we die, yet shall we live, for he is the resurrection and the life. To illustrate that this hope isn't just a feeling, Jesus will go on to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus backs up his promise with reality. God's people at the time of Ezekiel thought that resurrection in the nation of Israel could never happen, but it did. Mary and Martha would never expect, never believe that their brother in their time, right before their eyes, would be risen from the dead. And yet, he was. I like how one author puts it for us as we face loss, as we understand how to deal with loss today. Just like Israelites, just like Mary and Martha, there was renewal and revival, and not just a consolation prize, as Pastor Timothy Keller put it, not just a consolation prize for living life, oh, you get to go to heaven, no. There is, through the power of God's work on the cross, and restoration, a restoration. In a recent lecture on suffering, Timothy Keller, that same pastor, noted that uh, there are different ways that uh, people have dealt with suffering through history. Those who look at the word through, world through the lens of karma figure, well, Bad things happened to me because I must have done something wrong. But you and I, we know better. We know that sometimes bad things happen and we didn't do anything wrong at all. We know that sometimes bad things do happen to good people. How do we deal with loss then? Those who look at the world through a worldview of Buddhism Try to flatten the emotion. Try to just take it as it comes, not too many highs and not too many lows. But Jesus doesn't do that with his friend Lazarus. We hear in the next verses that even though he knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead, death was not what God had designed. And so the loss of his friend caused him to weep. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so, two, are we invited to be real with our feelings in the face of loss? It's not just some put on a happy face. We can deal with the honest feelings that we really do have. That fog is not some feeling that's just out there and made up in our own heads. The fog of loss is real. And then there's as he tells in his lecture, honor and shame cultures in the way of looking at the world and, well, maybe it's good for you. you you've you got to uh, gut through it to show that you deserve the honors that you'll soon get. But we know, you and I, when we're honest, that we can never possibly, not only, not only deserve some of the ill that happens in the world, but not only that we know we could never possibly deserve the grace that God has for us. And so Christians deal with the fog of loss differently. We deal with it through the gift of God that he gives us in hope. As it says in the scriptures, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. You see, who comes behind the curtain into the presence of God with us? The next verse says it, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So what does this mean? How can we face loss with hope? Well, we can, first of all, we can face it. In the reality of this world, if it calls for weeping, we can weep, but we can weep. And still trust. As one commentator put it, there can be weeping, but there also can be the knowledge of renewal. Next, we remember as the scripture teaches us that love bears all things and endures all things. So how do we face loss in this world and heartache? We face it by love, by loving our neighbor. It's no wonder that the Christians throughout history have been on the forefront of helping those uh, overcome brokenness and hardship and loss. Yes, even disease, because we don't just sit and take it. We remember to love as we have been loved. And so we love our neighbor. That brings about revival. In fact, speaking of revival, just this week in the Wall Street Journal, Robert Nicholson uh, wrote an article about a revival, pontificating and wondering right there in the Wall Street Journal whether this coronavirus would be used by God as a revival to return folks to his presence. He quoted Butterfield, who writes, the ancient Hebrews, by virtue of their inner resources and unparalleled leadership, turned their tragedy, turned their very helplessness into the half-dozen creative moments in world history. Butterfield wrote, it would seem that one of the clearest and most concrete of facts of history is the fact that men of spiritual resources may not only redeem catastrophe, but turn it into a grand creative moment. Well, we know who does that because we've been studying that these last five weeks from the book of Romans, haven't we? For in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Remember, I'll say it again for the fourth or fifth time God doesn't call all things good, but in the midst of even tragedy, he will work his good for his people. Hope, friends, does not disappoint. Because this anchor for our soul is, as Keller put it, not a consolation, but a restoration. And it's revealed not just in some flowery idea out there somewhere, but in the annals of history revealed in the reunification of Israel back in 580 BC with Ezekiel's prophecy being fulfilled revealed in the bodily resurrection of Lazarus before his sisters and the rest of his friends and revealed and guaranteed now for you and for me by the resurrection of Christ that we will celebrate two Sundays from now on Easter. Yes, indeed, whatever fog of loss you may be facing Israel. And just like it was for Jesus, it may cause you to weep. But remember the rest of the message. The fog will be burnt off as the sun rises. That fog will not last forever. As the scripture says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Revealed, friends, in history. The hope of the glory of God revealed in history. Something you can hold on to. The reality of this truth is for you. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That same Holy Spirit, that ru that breath, breath of God who brings life. The same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that promises us everlasting hope. We are not alone in the desert. We can face it with hope because of the word of God. There's reconciliation because of the word of God and the grace of God. There's faith given by God. Sure and certain. Sure and certain. Whatever we may face. This hope will never disappoint. Stand firm, stand firm in this hope given to us as a free gift of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.